Thank you so much, Patrice Harris. This has been wonderful music this morning, triumphant hour of worship and praise to the Lord. We thank him for it. I'd like to ask you to turn your Bible to two passages of Scripture, Habakkuk chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 23. Habakkuk chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 23. And while you're turning there, let me mention these people that we need to pray for in a special way. Regina Willoughby, her daddy lives in Louisville, and she called, he called me this morning and asked that we remember his daughter, who is in the hospital, in prayer. Ms. Millie Gray's mother has been in the hospital this week, and let's remember her. And then let's remember in prayer Doug Stevenson. This is the son of Dr. and Mrs. Bob Stevenson. He was in a very serious automobile accident last week and could very well have been killed. The car was totally demolished, but God performed a miracle in getting him out of that tragic accident. Let's pray for Doug and for God's hand on him and for his mom and dad. Then let's remember Brother Lonnie Cook. Brother Lonnie and Miss Grace have gone to Mississippi. Their nephew, Steve Cook, who has been in our church many times, used to live here, the son of Larry Cook. Steve was killed in an automobile accident Friday night. He's their only child. He was 18 years old. And you can feel the hurt that they feel. So let's pray for them and ask God's hand upon their lives during this time of very severe hurt. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of being in God's house this morning. We pray that the Lord will speak to every heart. May there be a revival, a rekindling of God's power and love. Bless these whose names we've mentioned and many others who are on the hearts of your dear people. May the Holy Spirit do his work of conviction and conversion. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. In Habakkuk chapter 3, it's a little hard book, a book that's a little hard to find. It's pronounced like tobacco, only it's called Habakkuk, with a K on the end. And Habakkuk would not like to be associated with tobacco. Habakkuk was a great evangel in the days when Babylonia was about to come over into the land of Israel and invade that land and take captive the people of, the Jude, of Judah. And we, we need to remember that Habakkuk's, the whole book, there are just three chapters, but the whole book of Habakkuk, God, Habakkuk is arguing with God. Now, you can't get very far arguing with God. God says it, and that's the way it's going to be. But Habakkuk says, now, Lord, I know we've sinned, but we're a more righteous nation than Babylon. Why, they don't even believe in God. They worship sticks and stones, and they don't believe in God at all. You surely wouldn't let them come and be an arm of judgment on us. And God says, now Habakkuk, you just stand over there and get up on a wall and watch. 
I'm going to do something that you wouldn't even understand if I told you. You just watch. And so all of the second chapter, Habakkuk is trying to be obedient. And when we come to chapter 3, he's listened to God. And beginning chapter 3, verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. He's decided the only thing we can do is pray now. That's all we can do. God's going to have the final word. And all we can do is pray. He says, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shigianoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now, Habakkuk has changed his prayer a little bit. Earlier he was saying, now, Lord, you wouldn't allow Babylon to come in here and be an arm of judgment on us. You know you wouldn't do that. Well, we're more righteous than they are. That wouldn't be fair. But during the course of communion with God, Habakkuk learns a whole lot. God says, now, you just stand up on the tower, write the vision, make it clear. And the part you don't understand, just ponder. And after a while, I'll make it clear to you. But you wouldn't understand if I told you all about it now. So many times in life that's true. We'll understand it better by and by, but we don't understand it right now. We don't understand the trials and the heartaches and the hurts and the tribulations and the difficulties that come right now. We don't understand it. The sorrows. I'm speaking to people right in this room this morning and by radio who have gone through tragic things, hurtful things. You've wondered, where is God in all this? God says, uh, you just stand on your tower. If I told you all about it, you still wouldn't understand it right now. Later on, you will. You just write. Write the vision. Write what you don't understand. And just wait. So we come to chapter 3. Habakkuk's conversation changes a little bit. He says, all right, I'm just going to pray. And folks, sometimes we can't do anything but pray. That's all we can do. We don't understand and you can argue with God, you can shake your fist in his face, but God's going to have the last word. All we do is pray. And so he says, Lord, I've heard your speech, and I was afraid. It's wonderful to fear God. And if you look closely at the word, I was afraid, he doesn't mean I'm scared to death. He said, fear has been stricken in my heart. I stand in the fear of God. Ladies and gentlemen, when we stand in the fear of God, God can do something for us. God can do something through us. It's when we sort of get on buddy-buddy terms and we think, well, God's going to do everything all right and he's just some big old buddy that lives upstairs and everything's going to be all right. That's when we have trouble. But when we say, I fear God, I've heard your speech, Lord, and I realize that you're in charge of things. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. Then God can begin revealing things to us. And so Habakkuk says, Now, Lord, I've heard your speech and I was afraid. O oh, Lord, revive thy work. Lord, the problem is not with you, it's with us. It's not that you're more righteous than to come in and punish us with a wicked nation. The problem is with us. Lord, I've heard your speech, and I'm, a, I'm afraid 
O Lord, revive thy work. And I know that even revival is in your hand. We can't even work it up. Someone try praying. Lord, revive thy work. In the midst of the years, make known. Lord, it's time for you to work. We've done what we can do. We've accomplished some puny little things, but Lord, it's time for you to work. You ever stood in a hospital beside somebody that the doctors have given up on? And there's something inside of you that wouldn't give up? And you say, Lord, the doctors have done what they can do, and the nurses are doing what they can do, and everybody's doing what they can do. It's time for you to work, Lord. Time for you to do something. That's what Habakkuk was saying. God, we're in trouble. Lord, I've heard your speech. I realize what's going to happen. I'm not going to argue with you. I just want to pray, and I want to yield to you. Now, Lord, revive thy work. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. In all of your anger on our sin, remember mercy. Now, this is connected, and I'd like for us to connect it with Matthew chapter 23. Will you turn your Bibles to Matthew 23 for a moment? This is our great Savior, Jesus. Sometimes they sing, sweet little Jesus boy. And we talk about my friend and I go through the woods together. We walk and talk as good friends should and do, and all that's very good. Talk about him being the man upstairs. Somebody over in Hollywood the other day said he's a living doll. Talking about God. They don't know the God of the Bible. Jesus. Listen, the best friend you could ever have, kids, is Jesus. The best friend a teenager could ever have is Jesus. The best friend a young adult in married life, the best friend you could ever have is Jesus. The best friend as you approach the sunset years is Jesus. And Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls. I'll give you rest. That's the same Jesus. And we come to Matthew 23, looks down at the hard-hearted and the people who don't have any contriteness, and he issues eight warnings eight warnings whoa whoa and you see that word whoa in the bible you see it here you see it in revelation you see it sometimes in the old testament w-o-e when i was a boy growing up we used to go up to uh, henry county in newcastle and my uncles had a big farm and uh, we'd go out on that farm and we'd drive a team of mules or a team of horses and uh, I learned very, very young what to say to him to get him to stop. Whoa, whoa. But that wasn't enough. You had to pull on the reins. Right? Just hollering, whoa, well, a well-trained, a well-mannered, a well-groomed horse or mule might stop. But if you pull on the reins, you guarantee it stop. Now that's what the Lord is doing. Whoa, woe unto you. And he issues eight woes. We dealt with some of those in Sunday school this morning. Turn your Bible to Matthew 23, 13. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, it's as if the Lord is taking up where he left off with Habakkuk. Habakkuk argued with God and said, Now, Lord, you would not let judgment come. You know you wouldn't do that. And God says, Habakkuk, 
you wouldn't understand if I told you all about it. You just get up on this post and just watch. And Habakkuk's attitude got changed. He said, now, Lord, I'm going to pray. I've heard your speech. I fear God. Lord, it's time for you to work. Time for revival. Time for you to do something. Now, Jesus is coming along, calling down through the ears. He's saying, Habakkuk, I'm going to explain it to you. I love you. I love God's people. I love the people of Israel. I love the people of Bowling Green. I love the people of America. I love the people of the world. But I want to issue some warnings. You can't get by with sin. You can't get by with sin. You can't get by with sin. Sin is a terrible taskmaster. And you become in bondage to sin. And when the sin and the sinner get so entwined and tangled together that sin, like a, like a weed vine that gets on the grapes and wraps itself around and around and around and around and after a while all those wonderful juicy grapes become diseased and they die because the weeds the weed vines have entwined and choked them out. That's what sin does in our lives. Sin, an awful slave master, an awful bondage. And Jesus said, I want to warn you. When you allow sin to get so entangled in your life, whether it's the sin of immorality, whether it's the sin of drugs, whether it's the sin of alcohol, whether it's the sin of pride, whether it's the sin of jealousy, whether it's the sin of carelessness, whether it's the sin of haughtiness, whatever it is, when you allow that sin to get so enmeshed with your life that it begins to drag you down, there's no way to go but except, except an abrupt stop or else you're done for. And I want to warn you. That's what Jesus is saying here. Now he's talking to some religious people. He says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. You neither go in yourselves nor permit others to go in. In verse 4, 14, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. You like to be, make a show. Verse 15, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Verse 16, woe unto you, you blind guides who say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor, you fools and blind. Verse 23, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you pay tithes of men and anise, and coming and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done and not leave the other undone. You ought to tithe, but don't gloat about it. Don't get so puffed up and say, well, I gave my tithe. And then you don't have any love or mercy or justice or kindness in your life. Jesus said, you ought to tithe. Some people say, well, tithing isn't in the New Testament. Sure it is, Matthew 23, 23. Jesus said, you ought to do this. But he said, don't gloat over it. If that's all you do, you've neglected some other things. Love and justice and mercy and kindness. And some people are like that. 
Look in verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You may clean the outside of the cup of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Blind Pharisees cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be also clean. Jesus says you need something inside of you. All you are is an out, outer shell. There isn't anything deep inside. Have you ever known somebody, listen, this is a tragedy. Have you ever known somebody you really, first impression of them, that person is really great. The more you got to know them, the less you thought of them. Now most of us would rather be the other way around. First impressions ought to be good, but sometimes I've known some people that I, you know, I wondered about at first, but the more I got to know them, the more I saw the genuine, real thing that was inside of them. You ever had that experience? Now Jesus says there has to be something inside of you. It's not all an outward profession. It's something that's inside of you. If your heart keeps right, if your heart keeps right, every cloud will wear a rainbow if your heart keeps right. If the Lord Jesus has changed the inside of you, the outside will little by little be changed. If the inside has never been changed, then when somebody starts talking about these outward things, you're going to get hostile and mad and furious and say they're talking about something that's none of their business. The problem is Jesus has said you need to be warned. Your problems are not the outside, they start in the heart. You all hepped up on rock music? My beloved friend, the problem is not the rock music on the outside, the problem is in your heart. When your heart gets changed and you have a hankering for heaven, you'll realize that all of those things that happen on the outside are not worth dragging you down. You have a hankering for drugs, alcohol. God bless you. My heart goes out to you. I love alcoholics. I don't love their alcohol. I hate liquor. But I love people who've been overcome by it. But I'm going to tell you the big problem is in the heart. When that heart gets changed, Jesus can give you the power to get over it. We have people in our church who'd been all hooked on alcohol and God just changed them. Sometimes just suddenly, sometimes little by little. We have some people who've been hooked, hooked on some kind of drugs and the Holy Spirit just came in and changed them, gave them power over it because their heart got right on the inside. Now listen, if you're having some problems with these areas, don't go out and say, well, the preacher just criticized me this morning. No, I love you. But I have to warn you, the problem is on the inside. When you get the heart changed, you say, I want to go to church. I want to hear the Word of God. I want God to speak to me. I want to hear what the Word of God says. I want to hear what Jesus says. And beloved, that's when revival comes to your heart. When the heart gets right, on the inside. Now notice what else Jesus said. With your Bible open to Matthew 13, look at verse 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you're like a whited sepulcher, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Now, uh, I want to give a little illustration. 
that not everybody can identify with, some will. I like to go through the cemeteries. A lot of times I drive through the cemeteries and look at the graves out there of people that I've been present when they were buried. I've ministered to them in life. I weep a little bit by their grave. Cemeteries are beautiful. I often, when I'm driving up in North Kentucky on Highway 71 or 75, I try to go over through Henry County and stand by my dad's grave for a little while. Sometimes I do that in the middle of the night. I have a chain that goes over the driveway, so I have to walk in back in through there, stand there just a little while. But listen, I, w- I don't want to live in the cemetery. I don't want to live among the graves. I don't want to dig those graves up and go down there and put myself down in a grave where the dead men's bones are. I don't mean to be facetious, but do you know Jesus said the problem with a lot of people is they're just full of dead men's bones on the inside. The outside looks nice, but inside there's corruption. Jesus put his finger on the inside. The only thing that can change the inside of a person is the power of God. And when you allow the power of God to be unleashed in your heart, he changes you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus specializes in changing people. And he can change you right here today. If you'll let him. Oh Lord, I've heard your speech. And I was afraid. Lord, it's time for you to work. Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In wrath, remember mercy. And Jesus will do that very thing. He hates sin, but he loves the sinner. He hates those things that pull you down, but he loves you. I was sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained with things sinking to rise no more but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me now safe am I love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me has it lifted you the love of God in Christ Jesus that's revival that's what we need that's what you need My time is up and I don't have time to go on. Oh, my friend, come back tonight because I want to say some more about this very thing. We need revival. We need spiritual power. And that spiritual power comes when the heart has a hankering after God and we reach out and say, Lord, I need you. Now, you can do that, whoever you are this morning. The devil will tell you you can't, but you can. You see, the Holy Spirit is right here this morning and he's knocking on hearts. He brought you here. And he's saying, there's a stranger at the door. Let him in. He's been there off before. Let him in. He will speak and bring peace to your heart. That stranger is Jesus. The doorknob is on the inside. And if you'll open the door and say, come in, Lord Jesus, he'll come in. And he'll sup with you. And he'll be your friend. He'll forgive you. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, will cleanse you from every sin. And you'll be liberated into the children, the glorious liberty of the children of God. Would you like that? You may have already started toward heaven. You may have said, well, I've been saved. 
You need to make that public. You need to let everybody know about it. You may say, well, I've, I've done that. Well, you need to follow Jesus in baptism and serve him. Do what God tells you to do. There's somebody here today who needs to take a brand new stand for Christ. You've started maybe a long time ago to the Lord, but you got sidetracked along the way. And the garbage of the world has gotten inside. It's inside. And you need to come and say, Lord, I heard your speech. Heard what you said this morning. And I was afraid. I have the fear of God in my heart. Lord, revive my heart. Do something inside of me. He'll do it. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And he closed by saying, Jesus is the Son of God. He has power to change every life in this room this morning and within the sound of my voice if you'll just let him. Let him into your heart. God help you to do it. Our Father, we pray that just now somebody will say yes to Calvary, yes to the cross, yes to Christ, and no to self and no to the devil and no to hell. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. Three hundred twelve. Would you look in your hymn book at three twelve? Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. I'm going to be standing down here in a moment. I want to ask if you're willing to give your life to Christ this morning. Trust him as your personal savior. You come and just say, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. Will you do that? God will help you to do it. You may have already been saved and you need to come and take a new stand for God. Maybe you need to come and move your letter to this church, become part of this fellowship. You say, well, how do you do that? You just come and let us know that you want to be part of this church while you're living in Bowling Green. And then our clerk will just write the church that you're a member of and let them know. And you become part of this fellowship, committing your life to faith and faithfulness. There's someone here who has never been saved, you've never given your heart to Christ, why not come today? Just take a stand for the Lord. God help you to do it. While we begin to sing, who will step out for the King? God help you to do it.